not sure if everybody else is ready, all right? So I'm going to kill two birds with one stone right now. And I'm going to ask you all to stand up. And we're going to do something that we ain't done in two years because I'm tired of COVID stealing every good thing out of our life. And we're going to do a little meet and greet like we used to do. So I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to greet a few people. No, I'm talking to you. Get up right now. All right? Go greet a few people that you did not come to church with because if you don't do it, I ain't going to preach until y'all do it. guys that did a good job there. I think you guys are itching for a little fellowship. Nice. That's good. Now go sit down. <laughs> oh man, I don't know about you guys, but I am eager to get into God's Word this morning. Come on. His Word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path, right? It keeps us from tripping up. It dispels the darkness. His word's alive, it's, it's active in our lives. And his word is good seed. Good seed that we, that we put in our heart, we plant in our heart, or as David says, that we store up or that we treasure in our heart. And when we do that, we have the promise that it will produce an abundant harvest in our life. And I just realized I don't have my microphone on, so sorry about that. Do I sound a little bit better? It still came through, didn't it? Sorry, online folks. Can we welcome our online church family also? We love you guys. Sorry about the audio there. I'm just a little excited. So, um, but I'm excited because we're looking at God's word here. And man, he, God himself said that his word would not return to him void, right? But it, it would accomplish everything that he set it for to do. And the prophet Isaiah, not the prophet Elijah, for those of y'all that caught that up on the screen a little bit earlier, but the prophet Isaiah said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And Jesus himself says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so it's for that reason that I am excited and eager to get into God's word. Amen. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray and just ask God to prepare our hearts that it would be found as good soil for his seed to land upon. Amen? Join with me in prayer. Father, we love you. And we're so grateful, God, that you sent your word. You sent your word to heal our diseases, Lord God. Lord, to make us whole, to make us complete. God, today I pray, Father, that your word would do its bidding in our lives, in our hearts, God, in our minds. Renew our minds, Father. We, we pray today, God, that you would tear down lies, strongholds, things that we have believed that are contrary to what you say about us and contrary to your nature. So precious Holy Spirit, we surrender. We invite you here, Lord. Have your way in this place. God, we're thankful for the work that you have began in each of our lives. God, we give you praise, Lord, that you will fulfill all that you have began. You are not a God who begins something and leaves it unfinished, but you complete everything that you finish. So we thank you for that, Lord. So have your way in this place today, we pray in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. And would all the church say, amen, amen. amen. Well, good morning and welcome, and if you are here just joining us, first of all, can we welcome anyone that is our guest today? I think I saw a few guests. It's so great to have you. We consider it an honor that you would come and worship with us, and if you are just joining us, we are on a series that we're calling Storytellers, and this is a series that's all about us telling others of the good things 
that God has done in our life with the intention of building the faith and the hope of the person that's listening. And I've said this a few times now, and I want to say it again, that God wants you to be a storyteller. He wants you to tell anyone who will listen about the good things that he has done in your life. I may have shared this with you guys, I think it's been many, many years ago, but the day that I gave my life to Christ, it was the result of a small group of people who briefly shared their story about what God had done in their life. Their story or their testimony ignited my faith, ignited faith in my heart to believe that if God did it for them, that he could do it for me. And he did. I said he did. Romans 10, 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How many of you know that this verse right here is just not for pastors or evangelists or missionaries, but it's for the body of Christ? When Paul wrote the the epistle, he, he knew who he was writing to. He's talking to you and I. And he says, how can they call on him who's, uh, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless you, I mean, I'm sorry, someone <laughs> tells them? Friends, outside of having faith in Jesus Christ, the greatest thing that you could ever do is share that faith with others. To tell others about the good work that God has done in your life. I'm not saying that that's the only thing that we're to do, but I'm saying that it's the greatest thing that we could ever do. I'm so grateful that the younger generation has seemed to become more aware of humanitarian needs. And in many ways, I think the older generation, and of course I'm including myself with my gray hairs uh, in that group, we could learn some things from the younger generation. Amen? That's a good place, older generation, to say amen, okay? Because uh, we all need to be doing our part in meeting the needs of those that are around us. But if you're only providing food, shelter, or relief, those efforts alone will not cause people to know Jesus. They still have to be told. And that's exactly what we just read right there in Romans chapter 10. This is where I think the older generation and the, new, or the younger generation needs to come in and, and collaborate on those things, right? Now, what I want to do today, and I shared this with you uh, briefly uh, last week and the week before, is I want us to look at the life and the story of Joseph. Now, this is going to take a couple of weeks uh, to kind of unpackage his life because, uh, man, there's a lot that the scripture has to say about Joseph. It's one of the longest narratives, if not the longest narrative in the entire Bible. But what I first want to do is I'm going to first just give you um, a brief summary of the story, and then I want us to go back and look at the life lessons that Joseph's life teaches us, okay? So you may want to take notes on a lot of this, but Joseph was the son of Jacob by Rachel. And Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his other sons. And it was for that reason that Joseph's brothers resented and hated Joseph. And this resentment, it continued to grow when uh, Jacob gave Joseph a beautiful coat, which the Bible calls the coat of many colors. Have you heard of it before, right? And by the way, this would have been a very significant thing that Jacob did because many scholars believe that that was a symbol that Joseph would receive the, the birthright. But to make, them, uh, make the matters even worse, Joseph then told his family a dream that God would get, that he gave him, which essentially communicated that everyone in the family would one day bow down to Joseph, including his parents. And so one day, Jacob sent Joseph to go check on his brothers who were tending to the sheep. And when they saw Joseph coming from a distance, they conspired to kill him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, spoke up and talked them out of killing him. But instead, they just decided to put him in a pit. Now, as they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with Joseph, they, um, 
figured out, well, Ju- Judah, actually, the middle son says, well, I know what we can do. Let, let's, let's try to not kill him, but do something else. And about that time, an Ishmaelite caravan passed by, and they said, let's just sell him as a slave. And so that's exactly what they did. They, they sold him off as a slave. But to cover up their sin, they took Joseph's coat of many colors. They killed an animal. They dipped it in blood. And then they took it to their father, and they told him that a wild animal had killed Joseph. But can I just stop here just for a minute and say, you can say whatever you want to say about the Bible, but one thing that you can't say is that it's boring. I mean, Dan Brown and J.K. Rowling has nothing on the Bible, okay? And if you're not reading it, I promise you, you are missing out. So the Ishmaelites, they take Joseph down to Egypt where they sell him to a man named Potiphar who was an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. And the Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 2, that the Lord was with Joseph. Not only that, but Potiphar recognized that the Lord was with Joseph. And the scripture says that everything Joseph put his hands to was successful. So Potiphar put Joseph in charge of all that he had. And the Bible says that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house For Joseph's sake, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. Now, this is where I want us to pause this morning. We'll pick back up uh, with the story next week. But the story of Joseph, it spans from Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50. And so we're going to split it to two parts because I don't want us to get overwhelmed with the details. And I want you to catch the life lessons. There's so many life lessons, so many more that I could have pulled from this. But let me start with this. As we read earlier, his story starts with a dream, with a vision. Joseph had a God-given purpose, and he knew it. Church, let me ask you a question. Do you know what your God-given purpose is? If you don't, I can't stress to you enough how important it is that you know it. As we read through the story of Joseph, the one thing that keeps Joseph going in the midst of all the heartache, all the suffering, all of the pain, is that Joseph knew that God had a purpose for his life. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, I don't know what mine is, Pastor Chris. Well, first of all, let me just say that there is a God-given purpose for your life. Like God didn't skip past you whenever he was divvying up his plans and purposes here on the earth. So we've got to start with grabbing hold of the truth that you have a God-given purpose. There's not a single person alive or that has ever lived that God didn't have a purpose for them. Now, as we grow in our faith, God will lead, he will guide, and he will direct us toward what that purpose is. But watch this, we all have a common purpose purpose. And Jesus tells us what that is in Matthew chapter 22 verses 37 and 39. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't know exactly what it is that God has called you to and you don't know the will of God, well, here's the will of God for you. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. A simple way of putting it is love God and love people. Or to know him and to make him known. And if we can just grab hold of that purpose, then I believe that God will direct us and show us what our individual purpose is. The who, the what, the when, where, and the how. And if God hasn't showed you yet the specifics of that purpose for your life, it may be that he's preparing you for what he has for you. I remember whenever I first started playing football in high school, I, re- I don't know what my expectations were. I think I expected uh, that we would start learning plays, like, right away. But I would venture to say that a coach over there smiling and laughing. I-, I think it was probably somewhere around 50 times of us meeting together um, before we ever had any plays revealed to us. Why? Because we were in conditioning, in training in preparation for the plays that would come at the right time. 
You see, I think oftentimes we get frustrated. And we would get discouraged when we don't know what God's next thing is for our lives. But perhaps the reason that we don't know is because it's not because we don't know how to hear the voice of God. But could it be that he hasn't revealed it yet? See, watch this. God knows our weaknesses. He knows mine and your proclivity to go and to jump the gun. And so God reveals his plans and purposes in his perfect timing. And here's the thing about timing. And this is so important for you to catch, church. God may reveal someone else's purpose to them before he reveals his purpose to you. And that's okay. Don't go comparison. Well, why don't I understand? It's okay. Okay? As a matter of fact, it's better than okay. That's why it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that the exact moment that you give your life to Christ, he's going to reveal all the blueprints for your life, right? It doesn't say that whenever you turn 18 years old, teenagers, that that's when God's going to reveal his plan and his purpose. It doesn't say that, you know, after you've been a Christian for three years, 10 years, or 20 years, then he's going to reveal. No, God has a custom-made plan for each and every one of our lives, and he reveals it in his perfect timing. Some of you guys are chasing after the will of God, thinking, I don't know what the will of God is. I don't know what the will of God is. Watch this. You're afraid that you're going to miss God, but God's too big to miss. Hold on to that truth. If you don't know what it is, that means God's preparing you right now. He's preparing you for what it is that he has for you. And until we know the specifics of that plan, we continue to love God and love people. And we continue to seek to know him and to make him known. Joseph knew that God had a great plan for his life. But watch this. Even Joseph didn't know the specifics of what that would look like. But that was okay because he knew that he had a purpose. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. This is why you need to know purpose right here, church. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The cast off restraint means that they run wild. That there's nothing that's leading them. They're led by their emotions rather than being led by the Spirit. Now, I think there's a good life lesson that we see here from Joseph, and that is that not everyone is going to be excited about your dreams. You need to write that down, brother, sister. As a matter of fact, if I can just say this way, God's dreams for you can make others uncomfortable. Genesis 37 and and, and, uh, verse 5 says, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Verse 8 says, they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Friends, please grab hold of this point right here. There are some people in your life that you don't need to share with them what it is that God has shown you. Even if it is from God. Even if it is from God. Now, just to be fair... I don't think that Joseph uh, shared his dream because he was being prideful or haughty, okay? I think he was just genuinely excited because he, he heard from God, because God had just spoken to him. But Jesus gives us some great words of wisdom in Matthew 7, 6. He says, do not give dogs what is holy. By the way, Jesus said that. You're like, did Jesus say? Yes, he did. <laughs> he says, don't give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Watch this, lest they trample them underfoot. And turn to attack you. Isn't that fitting as we're talking about the life and the story of Joseph? I know that in my life, on too many occasions, I've shared things with people. People who should have been for me. People who should have rejoiced with me, but instead they did the opposite. And this is what we see happening here with Joseph. Joseph's words, they drew strong criticism and opposition from his brothers. And it even caused his father to give him a stern rebuke. Church, sometimes God reveals things to us that are meant for our ears only. And so we've got to be wise when it comes to the things. Oh, God's teaching me this, right? I'm having to live this right now, y'all. 
And whenever God reveals those things to us, we've got to be wise about what it is that he shows us. And we've got to trust the leading of his spirit, especially whenever he shares something with us that is, that is so valuable and special. Are y'all hearing me this morning, church? It's going to save you a lot of heartache. And I want us to look at a part of the story of Joseph that I've read many times, but I saw it in a different way as I was preparing for today's message. In verse 12, the Bible says that Joseph's brothers were tending their father's flock near Shechem. Jacob gives clear direction as to what he wanted Joseph to do. Go to Shechem, come back, tell me what your brothers are doing there at Shechem. Now, it doesn't say exactly why Jacob wanted him to do this. He just asked him to do it. But when Joseph arrives at Shechem, his brothers weren't there. And so he say, sees a man standing out in the field, and he says, hey, have you seen my, my brothers anywhere? And he goes, oh, yeah, your brothers, yeah. Uh, they, they, they left. They're no longer here. They went to Dothan. And then the Bible says that he left, and he went to Dothan. Now, here's the problem. Jacob didn't tell Joseph to go anywhere else. He said, go to Shechem. He was very specific. I went back and read this like five times, and he was super specific. He said it three or four times. He says, go to Shechem and come back and tell me what your brothers are doing there. Now, maybe you're thinking, now, Pastor, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, Joseph probably thought that he was doing the right thing by going there. But you know what I've learned? And I'll share this from my life. There's been times that I've been sincere in some of the things that I've done, but I was sincerely wrong. <laughs> I think this is the part of Joseph's life that the life lesson teaches us, that when our Heavenly Father tells us to do something, do what he's asked of you, and don't take it upon yourself to add to what he's spoken. Someone needs to hear that. And see, we see this familiar thing happening in the lives of people in the Bible. I see it in my own life, right? Like Moses, for example, whenever he hit the rock the second time, when God didn't tell him to do so. King Saul offering a sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel to do it. David staying back at Jerusalem instead of heading off into the war in the springtime of the year, the time in which kings should have been out at battle, but he stayed back. And guess what? Out of all those scenarios, I could have given you plenty more scenarios from my own life and from the Bible. It didn't work out well for those who decided that they would take matters into their own hands. As a matter of fact, Paul addresses this very thing whenever he's writing to the Galatians. He asks this question to them. He says, are you so foolish? Are you so foolish that after beginning... By means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. Now you might think, but Pastor, wasn't that the plan of God all along to, to, to get Joseph to Egypt? Well, certainly it was God's plan for Joseph to get to Egypt. But could there have been another way Joseph would have ended up there? Hmm? Yeah, it's probable, that's right. But in regards to direction from our Heavenly Father, never take things into your own hands. If you do so, you will end up giving birth to an Ishmael. You'll end up with something that's going to follow you around and that you're going to have to deal with your entire life. Something that was never God's intended purpose. Joseph went to Dothan and his brothers wanted to kill him. But they settled to sell him as a slave. Joseph went from living the dream to being a slave. His life was reduced to 20 shekels of silver, which is probably about $200 in today's currency. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a time in your life where everything seemed to be going great, but then all of a sudden, like everything in your world just got flipped upside down? Yeah? I'll tell you what, it's not a matter, young people hear me on this, because if you've not faced something difficult like that, I hate to be the one to tell you, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. It's not a matter of if that will happen, but rather when it will happen. 
because there comes a point in a time in our life when everything seems great, and then all of a sudden, that when happens, and you're like, whoa. And when it does, here's the thing, none of us know when it's going to happen. That's the reason we have to be prepared. That's why we got to store up the word in our heart, because when all of a sudden, bam, it hits you, if you're not prepared, you're going to crumble under it. And I'm not just talking to my teenagers, but I'm looking at you guys for a minute, but I'm also talking to you adults, because if your foundation isn't secure, and you've built your house on the sand, and the wind and the waves come, your house is going to come crumbling down too. ever let anyone tear down your value. Don't ever let anyone try to tell you who you're not. Know who you are. Know that you have a purpose. Know what God's word says about you. As a matter of fact, if you will just write this next point down, because this is so good. The only person that can stop God's plan for your life is you. Yeah, I love having teenagers up here. The old youth pastor in me keeps coming out. Teenagers, your parents can't stop God's plan for you. I know sometimes you're thinking, well, my parents, no, man, I promise you God's bigger than your parents. He's bigger than your teacher. He's bigger than your school. He's bigger than the coach who cut you and didn't get you in. Don't you worry about all that. God will see to it that you get exactly where you're supposed to be. Adults, the same with you. You might not have got that promotion at that job. That's okay. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe God is what you feel like is rejection is really God's protection because he knows all of a sudden now you're going to be required more of your time to be away from your family and your wife, and it's going to affect that relationship with your wife and your kids. But God was doing what you thought, oh, they're coming against me. He says, no. I'm protecting you or maybe it's this maybe it's just not protection maybe it's a redirection sometimes God redirects us and it's a good thing Joseph's brothers he tried to destroy they tried to destroy God's plan uh, for his life by selling him into slavery but we already see that God is starting to use what others meant for evil to work for good in Joseph's life and friends, this is exactly what God will do for the life that is surrendered to him, for the life that trusts in him, no matter how difficult those circumstances may appear. And I hope this brings some encouragement and instills some hope in your heart to know that God will work all things together for the good of those who love him and that are called, and you are called, according to his purpose. But we've got to hold fast to his promises. We've got to hold tight in faith, knowing that God's promises, that not only will they accomplish everything that he said and that he's spoken, but he will never allow us to walk through those difficult moments alone. When we jump from chapter 37 to chapter 39, the first verse talks about the Ishmaelites when they come along and they, they sell Joseph to Potiphar. And right in verse 2 it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. I wonder if, I, I think Joseph did know. I think he did know. He absolutely knew. The Lord was with Joseph. Guys, I can't emphasize to you enough the power of the promise of his presence. Church, he said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And he's not a man that he should lie. God is yes and amen. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Hey, I can tell you that he is a person of his word. I can stand up here and testify to you that when I received the worst possible news that I could have possibly imagined, receiving the news that both me and my wife may have cancer, but both definitely have tumors, and that they were going to have to be removed and go through major surgery, God was with me through every second of it all. And through pain that I went through that was indescribable. I, I often say it to people like this on a 1 to 10 scale, and 10 meaning the worst. 10 to me means there's so much pain going on, I've passed out. There was at least two weeks of my life that I lived in a 9.5. But I can promise you, God's presence was with me every second. I stand here and testify to you that he never left me, not even for a second. Not even, did I feel pain? Sure, I felt some serious pain. But you know what? I had a peace deep down inside my spirit. Listen, I know it becomes a little cliche in the church. I'm, I, I don't even want to really want to say this, but there really is a peace that God gives you in the midst of the storm. 
As long as our eyes are on Jesus, let me just tell you this. That storm is going to pass. Gosh, I'm looking in your eyes right now. I feel like I just need to speak a word to someone right now. Somebody who's walking through something difficult and just let you know this too shall pass. Those of you that are in the middle of the storm right now, anchor yourself in Jesus, baby. He will give you peace. Hey, Jesus modeled it for us. When the disciples were freaking out, Jesus was right there taking a nap. Some of y'all just need to go home in the midst of it and, and pray in the spirit, put on some good worship music, and take a nap. That's what Jesus did. Amen. <laughs> when the Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. That scripture right there, it gives us a great promise. Both of his presence, but also of knowing that we are going to walk through that valley. Just make sure that you don't pitch your tent where you were meant to walk through. Are you following with me this morning, church? I'm talking about not beating yourself up over past mistakes. I'm talking about not holding on to an offense. And I'm talking about letting go of things in your life that God told you to drop. I'm going to take a little bit of a liberty here and pose a possible question. Could it be that God allowed Joseph's coat of many colors to be stripped from him because he had found his identity in it. I'm not saying it's the case, okay? I'm just saying, could it be? But one thing I know for sure is that God will remove anything from your life that causes you to put your identity into anything that's greater than him. Parents, I think that this right here is a, a good teaching point and that we've got to be careful and the things that we say to our kids, saying things like they can do anything that they put their minds to. Because what we should be telling them is that they can do everything that God has purposed for them. Are you hearing me? Whereas the apostle uh, Paul says, he says, says it this way, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, if I'm leaning on my own understanding... Trusting that my mind will allow me to achieve all that I want to accomplish, then the best that I can ever do is the best that I can do. But when I put my faith in Christ, believing that He has called me to that thing, then I can be confident that I will indeed do all that He's called me to do. Not because I have the mental fortitude to do it, but because of Him who has called me and He who has empowered me. And that's why the scripture tells us in Ephesians 3:20, now unto Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, Paul. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, but Ephesians 3, 20 says, now unto him who is able, not that we're able, not that you can put your mind to it, no, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above. See, you're shortchanging your kids, parents, when you tell them that that's, uh, they can put their mind to it, because what God can do is much greater than anything they can put their mind to. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we could ever ask or think. You say, well, Chris, that right there is talking about God. Keep reading the verse. It says, according to his power, which is at work within you, us. Amen, somebody? I just feel like I need to encourage someone right now and tell you that your situation may be a deciding factor. But it's not the determining factor. What you are going through, God can get you through. I know that sometimes we find ourselves in a position to where we don't understand why we're going through what we're, we're going through. But what if, what if that disappointment is just your destiny in disguise? Church, maturity is understanding that reaching your destiny will often require taking a few detours. See, we have the vantage point now of looking back at the life of Joseph and seeing that through the most difficult moment of his life, God was at work through it all. And as we'll see uh, next week, things got worse for Joseph, right? They got worse. 
But with every step and with each difficulty, Joseph continued to trust God, and God never once left his side. And what was the result of Joseph continually trusting God? Well, a couple of things. One, Joseph's character and integrity was made evident to everyone. He became known as a trustworthy person who was dependable. Here's you a good life lesson to write down. Your repetition becomes your reputation. Your repetition becomes your reputation. I had a great man of God uh, speak this word over me when I was 20 years old, and his words, they hit me so much that I I wrote them down in the back of my Bible, and uh, I memorized them, and it was this. If you will take care of your character, your reputation will take care of itself. Teenagers, this right here is a good verse for you guys to hold on to. Because I know reputation is an important thing, but if you take care of your character, if you take care of your character, your reputation will take care of itself. I know this should go without saying, but church, character matters to God. Like, God blesses faithfulness. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs 28, verse 20, it says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. But then the second thing that we see, I said there's two things. The second thing that we see as a result of Joseph continually trusting God, and the scripture says this right after it says that the Lord was with Joseph, it says that the Lord caused everything that he put his hands to to succeed, to prosper. And it says that the blessings of God were so evident on Joseph that it spilled over onto Potiphar's house. By the way, can I just encourage you to surround yourself with people who have the blessing of God on their life? I'm talking about people who talk with God. I'm talking about people who walk with God. I'm talking about people who have weathered a few storms in their life and they came through on the other side. Because you better believe that those blessings that are on their life, it will spill over onto those that they're around. This is a lesson for another day, but... I at least want to mention this. The people in your life, they're either going to cause you to become better or worse. Teenagers, it's no coincidence you guys are sitting right up here and listening to me this morning because this is a good word for you guys. The people that you allow, the friends that you connect yourself, don't try to connect yourself with the person who's the most popular because maybe they'll make you popular or try to connect with the cute guy or the hot girl. Don't do that. you got to ask yourself this question. Are they making me better or are they making me worse? Are they, are, they, are they causing my purpose to be expedited? Are there people that it's going to encourage me, it's going to lift my hands, that's going to speak life to me, or are they constantly taking away from me? See, there are people in our lives, guys, they're either going to, and I'm talking to all of us right now, they're either going to drain you, take from you, abuse you, or tear you down. Or there are those who will fill you who will encourage you, who will build you up in the faith. I'm talking about people who they have the blessing of God on their life, and it will rub off on you if you will stick around them. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Potiphar was blessed because he was around Joseph. But now watch this, because our model here, and there's a good life lesson here, but our model, though, and what we're shooting for isn't to be like Potiphar. Are you with me? I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes, we just said that we want to be around people who have the blessing of God in life because of the role. But what we really want to do is we want to be like Joseph. Joseph is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. You know that, right? So many parallels there. Maybe we might dig into it a little bit next week. Uh, But as we do, as we are being the ones who are like Joseph, our lives then will be blessed in such a way that we can be a blessing to those that are around us. Why do we want to do that? Well, Jesus answers that question in Matthew 5.16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we'll see next week. Even when Joseph eventually stands before Pharaoh, even Pharaoh himself recognized the blessings of God that were on Joseph's life. 
and it caused Joseph to receive Pharaoh's favor. But you're going to have to come back next week to hear the second part, all right? <laughs> come on, stand to your feet with me if you would. We'll beat the Presbyterians to the outback. <laughs> Can I leave you one more thought to consider? All right. Stay with me on this. Joseph was 17 years old. 17 years old whenever God gave him this dream that he shared with his family. And as you'll see next week, it's not until 13 years later that the fulfillment of that dream comes about. I think that's just one more life lesson that Joseph's life teaches us, and that is that not all dreams that God puts on our heart happens overnight. Habakkuk 2.3 says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Did you catch that? It says, it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. And if there seems to be a delay in your life, I'm going to guess that it's probably one of two reasons. One is that maybe God wants you to have a greater level of surrender in some area to God. Or two, he's preparing you for what he has for you. And watch this. The greater the delay, oftentimes the greater the preparation. And the greater the preparation, the greater the purpose. But understand this. God wants you to get where he wants you to go more than you want to get where he wants you to go. Come on, that truth right there, guys, that should instill hope in your spirit just knowing that God is passionate about his purpose in your life. But if the last year of my life has taught me anything, it's that God will often send us down a path that is very unexpected so that he will get the most glory for what he does both in us and through us. Let me say that again in case I said that a little fast because I know I talk fast and I'll slow it down. God will often, underline that word often, God will often send us down a path that is very unexpected. Somebody can say, mm-hmm. So that, because there's a purpose, there's always a purpose in everything that God does. So that he will get the most glory for what he does both in us, because there's a work that God wants to do in us, but also through us. So what do we do in the meantime? We surrender and we stay surrendered. We hunger and thirst for righteousness, and he will see to it that we're filled. We're, we're completely filled, whole. We maintain our character and our integrity and we live as obedient sons and daughters. And if the dreams that God has put in your heart hasn't come about yet, we wait. We wait with eager expectation, trusting that not one word that God has spoken over our lives will fall to the ground, but every word will carry out its God-ordained purpose. Do you receive God's word this morning? Let me pray for you real quick. Father, I pray even now that there would be an attitude of surrender, Lord. I think that's the theme that, that we've already seen consistent, Lord, even through worship until now. That, God, we would take our eyes off of the wind and the waves. That we would take our eyes off of the doctor report that we would take our eyes off of what has happened in the past and what others have done to us or even what we've done. But God, right now, Lord, in every area, we surrender to you, God. And we say, have your way, precious Holy Spirit. Jesus, it is your name and your renown that is the desire of our heart. So God, do your work this morning. Now, in this place, move upon our hearts, Lord. May there be lies destroyed. May there be strongholds broken. May the captive be set free. Even now, 
even now, in Jesus' name. All the church says, amen. Come on, just stay in this attitude of worship as we just sing this song. Russian way.
stay with me just for a couple of minutes. You know, one of the most difficult things that I've ever experienced as a pastor, and I've experienced it many times all throughout pastoring, I learned this lesson really young. I was probably 22 years old, maybe, maybe, when someone invited me to go and to share the gospel with um, their dad or their grandpa. And I went to the hospital, and there was a guy there who was fully cognizant, but um, his body, he was older, and uh, I don't re- recall what it was that was, but he was, he was probably had but hours left. But he was still fully there mentally, right? And I went with him, thought, oh, no problem. I'm just going to share the gospel with this guy. And they told me that he didn't know Christ. And uh, I shared the gospel with him. I'm fresh out of Bible college, so I knew how to, you know, do the Romans road, man. I had all five of those right there in my back pocket. And I shared Christ with him. And the guy looked at me. He said, nope, don't believe I'm ready yet. And, uh, of course, the family's all like, oh, you know. And I finally asked the family to leave. (laughs) I said, do you guys mind if I have a little bit of time with them? And they said, sure. You know, I shut the door and I turned I said, look, dude, <laughs> I'm like, you realize you're about to die, right? I mean, you do realize that. I'm mean, going to make sure you understand the situation and the gravity of it. He goes, yeah. I said, you, you know that when you die, the only way you get to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Would you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? He said, nope. Don't believe I'm ready yet. Now, I don't know all that is going on in this man's life. I know nothing about his past. But I know this. I do know that the scripture says that my spirit will not always strive with man. And I think that there's a lot of times people think, well, I'll get right with Jesus one of these days. Right? And we think that we're going to have that opportunity to be in the, the hospital and, well, I'll do it then. I'm going to live my life over here doing my thing over here, which, first of all, is such a lie because you're living a life that is less than the best because the best is the life that God has for you. And, man, you're so deceived. I mean, I love you, but you are if you're living for the world because God's life, man, there's nothing better, no blueprint that you could draw up that's going to be better than his blueprint for your life. But here's what still breaks my heart. Fast forward a good 28 20-some years later, so I'm age. Um, but there are people every Sunday morning that as a minister of the gospel, I present this invitation. And there's people that I know that I know that I know that they're here that you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you if you have like an understanding up in your mind that says, oh, I agree with it up here in my mind that Jesus is. I'm asking you, have you surrendered your heart to his lordship? That means that he's a Lord. Church, Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. My job, and I will stand before God as a teacher for the things that I teach the people that I preach. I have to let you know that it's a heart that's surrendered that gets to spend eternity with him. And not only that, it's a heart that's surrendered that is made whole here on this earth. And we've got so many people that believe that they're a Christian because they have a mental understanding of Christianity and they wonder why there's still bondage in their life. It requires surrender, folks. Every part of who we are has got to be surrendered to all who he is. And when we do that, then all of who he is will be poured out upon us. God gives us by his divine power everything that we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture says. Let me break it down in another way for you. Everything that you need, if you'll stay surrendered to God, God's going to give it to you. Jesus said it best in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all things are going to be added to you. Everything that you need. No, it may not happen right overnight, just like with Joseph, but it will come. If we wait for it and we trust him and we trust the process and know that through that preparation, God is preparing us for his purpose. 
So I want to give an invitation right now to those that have not surrendered their whole heart to Jesus Christ. Because I know that for sure in a crowd this size, there's at least one, if not many more. And what I want to do is I want to lead you in prayer right now. But look, it's not just saying a prayer. It's not just some magic words and then I'm a Christian. It's you taking ownership of those. It's you confessing with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and that you believe in your heart that God will raise him from the dead just like Romans 10 says and if that's you friend I want you to know that your life yes I know what I'm saying right now will be changed forever if that's you and you will say that today many of you in this room you're shaking your head because you know what I'm talking about because you have already made that surrender just like I made that surrender but who's here this morning and you need to make that surrender. I want to invite you to pray right now from the bottom of your heart. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then I'm going to ask all of the saints of God to join in so that we will all pray that prayer aloud together. But I want to first ask this question because this is the moment of decision. The Bible says, choose you this day who you're going to serve. And by the way, if you say, well, I'm not sure what I want to do. I'm just going to hang in the middle. There's no middle, folks. Like, if you're saying no to God, you're already in the world, can I tell you? There's no middle. You can't straddle the fence. Matter of fact, God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you look warm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I didn't say that. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) But here's the good news. Why would we want to be lukewarm? Why? If you are thinking to yourself, well, then I'd have to give up this, this, and this, then you have believed a lie. You believe that the world has something better to offer than God. And that, friend, is a lie. I say this, I used to say this to my teenagers all the time. I said, if the world was better than walking a life with God, I'm no fool. I would still be living that life. Hello? But a life in Christ, full of the precious Holy Spirit of God, it brings about a wellspring of a joy that rises up. That causes you to be able to face dark storms. I'm grateful that God allowed me to go through the dark storms that I just went through. Because I had an opportunity to prove what I believe to be true. And I have now, friends, experienced it. And I get to stand here and testify to you to say that it is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. He will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence will be with you continually. That doesn't mean that things are always going to be easy. But it means this, that you're going to come through. That's not going to be your burial ground. The valley's not going to be your burial ground. The desert isn't going to be your burial ground. But you're going to come through. And you're going to come through on the other side. Having been walking through the refiner's fire. Being purified as pure gold. Precious metal. Right? Who's here? You need to surrender your heart to Jesus. I want to ask right now. I'm going to pray. Say one, two, three. And then we're going to pray. Who's here? You say, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And you've not surrendered. If that's you, just as a sign, a sign and a declaration of faith, just say, yeah, that's me. Put your hand up. Raise your hand up. Put it up, and I want to pray with you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see because of the lights. That's why I'm putting my hands up here. Yeah. Yeah. Those of you watching online, I'm talking to you as well. Don't think that just because you're watching this video that somehow I'm just talking to those that are here. These words are for you. You're listening to this message, and you're listening to it for this very reason, because God wants you to surrender. And so I'm going to invite you also to come in and to join in with us. And what we're going to do is we're going to confess. We're going to pray a prayer of surrender, and we're going to confess our lives, Jesus as Lord of our lives. So I'm going to ask you to pray after me. Saints of God, would you right now just join in with me in prayer? Pray this out loud. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, 
from my sin. And Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to know you and make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God for our salvation, saints of God, and those that may have prayed with us this morning?